0: Got your attention now, don't
1: I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. This, I love a White Russian. I want one. I want none. I would be, That's why I'm having no. this. Are we recording now. Dude, I, I used got, to be always white. Got a dude vibe. I used to
0: be a White Russian guy, but the, a White Russian is like a. Yeah, and drinking the motherfuckers all night. It's when no, it's cold.
2: It's like a cider or like a sour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A White Russian. It also th- there's a big thing with a White Russian and how we you hold it? the drink. We rolling? Yeah. So how you roll? hold the White Russian? That's super important. Are we rolling? Do you do this? Yeah.
1: Or do you do we're this? You yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel so. Like like <laughs> as well. So if you're holding it like this, the vessel. Or you hold it away from the body, but like are you hold it tighter. You just hammering it, just you, pounding it. You
1: no, know, my favorite thing to do is find the hardest guy I know. Right go out. Like tough or like? Like tough. Okay. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tough dude who's like beer and whiskey only. And go, Hey man, you want to try a drink? And then I order them an espresso martini and they're like, what the fuck? I'm like, dude, give it a try. Okay. And they try it. And then all of a sudden they love it. They're like, Oh, I can't, I can't get away from it. And then the pinky creeps out. <laughs> <laughs> what was We shared know? one. Me and another dude that I worked on a different program with. I'm like, just take a taste. And back and forth we pass this thing. We look like, gay yeah, as shit. What was the movie? Uh, Looking long. Um, <laughs> where he was like, "I'll take the strongest thing you got." And the big
2: dude walks out and starts flexing. It was you know naked. Uh, and was it a uh, naked gun? Naked gun.
0: Yeah. Thirty three and a third. The, the move. I pull. Like if I'm like, "Hey, you want a drink?" And they're like, "Yeah, whatever." I get people uh, Jaegermeister and milk with a slice of lemon. That's my go-to for. <laughs> oh,
1: my. oh, here I got you this. Does that one, Colonel? Chug a lug. What yeah. now? What's the uh, Irish Guinness?
2: Yeah. God, uh, bleh, yeah. bleh. as a ranger, as former rangers, hmm. how many Irish car bombs have you guys consumed? I, I have sure. no idea. I couldn't count. A lot. Yes.
1: Yeah. A ton.
2: And <laughs> the <I> most <bomb>. <laughs> one right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when they
1: the <laughs> cement <laughs> mixer, the first time I got duped with the cement mixer, which is what makes it curdle the lime, or I whatever, don't know. whatever the fuck. Horrible. It curdles it. So then you're drinking essentially like cottage cheese in beer. I realized that I could do it and it didn't really affect me. So then I would just order them. Dudes are like, "What? The, yeah, why not?" So, why are we speaking of, about booze, because
2: I'm, I'm, we're going to segue into this gentleman. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's an alcoholic.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so uh, yeah. we met. We we've been friends for since 2012. Oh, wait a so, second. Yeah, hold on. Let me get there. This is a great story. Then we're going to do into go into the official. Uh, so back in my days at Killcliff, like I started. Speaking of curdled milk and nastiness, I started this. Uh, it was a lie, which, you know, on what? purpose. Uh, and I told everyone why? that, that Matt Frazier drank during the open. He drank a gallon of milk a day. Go mad.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it took off like wildfire. And this kid, uh, at, um, at a, at a Grace Dresser's gym in, in, I think it's Missouri or something. Um, did that and came in and like for the the late to do his open workout like on just a Thursday and said he she uh-huh. said he projectile vomited cheese curds all <laughs> over the gym
1: it's one of my just favorite things to see, see is when somebody's like lifting yeah. I don't know what that is I've never been a power lifter of sorts right. but when they're just really going for it and they vomit but they complete the set like shaking and just projectile the vomiting are
3: on the platform yes. Yes. It's like yes. people yes. observing and standing around there's also something. I,
2: Really exciting that happens on platforms sometimes occasionally with yeah, we, with, with the females Oh, the um, heat, yeah, oh, yeah
0: I, so. I, I was always pretty fucking scared I was gonna shit myself because in weightlifting you weigh in and then you get two hours, so like I used to do water cuts so I would have to like start rehydrating afterward and then so that was like a lot of like um you know uh, what's the baby stuff you drink Pedialyte, Pedialyte. Pedialyte and water and then I would do i had like my my set stuff that I would do to like rehydrate and give myself energy before the meet. And it was a lot of like sugary stuff that could kind of make you like... (laughs) Yeah, you know, like, bubble guts. Can you I was IVs? pretty pretty scared. No, uh, no. no, not
2: allowed. To do. You, no, it's 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 considered doping. You get a if you do two IVs in a day, uh, it's considered doping, and you get a six month suspension. Is that before or after UFC cut out
1: IVs and you
2: saw it? I don't know the genesis of it, but I know that like someone was sus- that I know was suspended, and I was like, what the hell? I'd also like to
0: say I was a moron for doing water cuts in like local meets as a weightlifter. <laughs> like who gives a shit? Just yeah, like go up a weight class, whatever.
2: I did a comp uh, a power athlete comp with John Welburn, and. Uh, I needed to lose like three pounds to get into the shit. I, I was at two twenty three. I needed to be like two nineteen. Weight class shit actually yeah. doesn't that's weigh awesome. that much. I know. I've, no, yeah. uh, it, which is really upsetting at times because sometimes it feels like it's like that's at least fifteen pounds. And it's yeah. like that was half half an ounce. Jesus, uh, I was too, I was like three pounds. I was like oh, screw it. I don't feel like he's like you're going to be in super heavyweights. And I was like I don't give a shit. <laughs> I got yeah. second. And the guy that beat me out weighed me by hundred pounds. Damn. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Big old fat
1: dude. Huge, gluttonous fat man. Biggest fear, lifting. Just for like CrossFit or whatever. Because yeah. I, I went to a gym that was a CrossFit affiliate and yeah. they did a lot of power lifting, super good programming. It was the prolapse rectum. I saw it once on YouTube where a guy catches real low and then he blows his asshole out. Have you seen this?
3: Uh, no, but I'm videos. Yes, but not real. No, current currently,
1: I'm in a Kegel real. position after that
2: story.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> squeezing <laughs> my
2: anus. It probably bracing came. his Just
3: sat up an inch taller. On <laughs> yeah, great no, so <laughs> posture. let <laughs> I me mean,
0: correct things
1: here. So anyway. were you segueing into uh, introducing the guest, or were you segueing into poops? I got, got this. Go Both. for it. Both. All right, Brent Phillips. How do you take your coffee?
0: Black, all the time.
3: Ninety-eight percent of the time. Hot or cold. Summer's cold, winter's hot. Standard, same. Oh. Very similar. Pretty. So how do you take your coffee?
2: You, ask,
1: you always ask people that. Why don't you volunteer some information for once? Same. I do Americano typically. Most of the time it's iced unless it's balls cold and then I get hot if I'm feeling hot. How do you take it? I mix it up almost every day. Really? I don't, I don't like have a habit. Yeah, but if so. you're
2: not here, if you're at home. let At
0: say home? You, yeah. I do uh, usually a little of oat milk and that's it just to cut the acidity down a little bit.
3: So I had to start that after I got Roofied at the IPO, my <laughs> stomach was destroyed. That's a good for story. Two or three months, and I would roofied by Evan yeah. or by a stranger. I think Kevin did it.
0: Okay, yeah,
1: We're, we'll talk. Man, about someone roofied certain.
0: the nineteen old fashions I drank. <laughs> really
3: cool. I,
0: I was about to pass out, man. <laughs>
3: no, absolutely not the case. Uh, <laughs> that was good, but yeah. So my my stomach was destroyed for two or three months. Like I puked for a over. Over a day, basically. After that, Well, will tell the story. Uh, it's a good story. It's a horrible story. It <laughs> needs to be just me puking for a day. You you, you like,
2: start Whoa. and we'll we'll add to it. I may embellish and make some shit up to make it better. This but is what hear. I'm worried
1: about. I called
3: everybody because I'm like, uh, so after my second drink yesterday, I don't remember anything. And everybody's like, no, you're lucid and normal. I was like, okay, thank God. And now I'm wondering if you just saved all the all of those stories and you're like, yeah, you fought a cop and then <laughs> fell asleep in the
1: bushes. And- no, no, no. I was I was privy to kind of two pivotal moments, which was the last sighting, yeah. which was, it was, you know, we we're just having drinks. Everybody's pretty pumped about things. up. I'm like, Hey, you good? Like, yeah. You're yeah. just hanging out mingling, if you will. Yeah. And took off. I don't know what time that was. Maybe 11, 1130. 11 it wasn't super yeah. late. We weren't burning the midnight we, oil. Dinner
3: till 10 probably.
1: Yeah. And we yeah. sat together and had the same drink for drink. Yeah. So then we go to the bar. We'd been there for maybe an hour, hour and a half. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to balance. You're like, yeah, cool. I'm almost done, or whatever you said. Yeah, which I have no recollection of. And you look like you look like, <laughs> you look normal, fine. like yeah. any other time that we interact. Right. Well, yeah. fast forward the next morning, I'm like, oh, weird. Uh, hour later, huh? Uh, oh, weird. It gets better. We finish the whole thing. <laughs> we go down to Times Square when they put up the black rifle banners. Still nothing. We're driving back, and I see you like walk in the corner coming around to the hotel, you look like you got hit by a car and you'd been homeless for three days.
3: <laughs> I felt like I'd been hit by a car and had been homeless you know, for
1: three days. Now that I'm thinking back, the morning that we went
0: to the stock exchange for the, the IPO, it was early too. I was, I don't remember what floor I was on at that hotel, but it was like eighth floor or something. So I'm standing there waiting for the elevator and something hit me. And I just did about a, like a 45 degree turn, put my hands on my knees, bent over and just puked right there. And, uh, when I looked up, there was our uh, CTO, CTO yeah. Zach Gleason, yeah, former terrified. And he's like, "Man, are you okay?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine. Whatever." <laughs> <And> <laughs> so downstairs, went upstairs, about my business. Some son of a bitch is roofying my
2: soft friends, and I want you to stop doing it because Matt, JT, uh, yeah. and some other guys got roofied in Austin one night uh, a
3: couple months back.
0: So, yeah. I have another kind of roofie story. Okay. So, uh, you Is guys know you
3: placing a roofie somewhere. No, no,
0: no absolutely not. It's yeah. a floor. And if I ever find out that anybody I know does that, I'm going to break every bone in their body. It's fucked up. Um, so you guys know, uh, Biff, right? Yeah. The pilot. F- JB Carlson. Yeah. So, uh, when I was living in LA, he flew in, he was doing the, the flyover to USC game. So he's like, yeah, let's go to USC game. Hang out. So we got to have a couple drinks and, uh, <clears throat> We tie it on pretty good and, and wake up the next morning feeling rough, like real, real, real bad. Like we're like, dude, I think we got roofied. So we're like, all right, let's go get some food in us. So we go to this brunch place and we sit at the bar, at uh, this Mexican restaurant that I used to get brunch at. And the bartender's like acting very familiar with us. It's like, this is fucking weird. Like, I don't know this person. And she's like, you know, just acting a little too familiar. And uh, finally, she's like, do you guys not remember me? And I'm like, I have no fucking clue who you are at all. She's like, I was your bartender last night at the bar you were at. And I work here too. And we were like, me and Beth are like, oh shit. Yeah. Piece it together. Was there anyone like hanging out with us, like being weird? Because like, we think we got poisoned or roofied or something. She's like, you guys each drank like 12 Manhattans. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, I don't, I was going to cut you off, but then I was like really impressed because you guys were holding it the fuck together. You didn't seem sloppy drunk. I was like, oh no, we were blacked out drunk. We had <laughs> no great. fucking idea where we were. So yeah, that's why I say a lot of times when people are like, I got roofied. I'm like, mm, did you? Or did you drink like 40 drinks? Yeah.
3: Nah, I wouldn't, I, I've been blackout drunk and I would cop to it. That's a whole other feeling. But yeah, anybody you talk to that's been roofied is like, I threw up for 12. I don't, you don't throw up for 12 hours. What three. were you drinking? Uh, Beers? Thing, no, I don't uh, drink beer. Really. I'll have a beer every now and again, because like, if I know it was tequila and tequila and water. So I one, one the, tequila, one water. But one I'm of the worst, uh, religious, about worst
0: that. bouts of like food poisoning or like foodborne illness I've ever got. I think I got it from a, a dirty beer wow. tap line. So I don't uh, drink beer on tap or it has to be a very reputable establishment for me Mm, to do that because that those things get nasty but you don't hang out in reputable establishments a lot of
2: the time just not with you you just love you like a backdoor alley entrance yeah a little secret knock the old speakeasy all right so let's talk about how we all know Brent should we say who Brent is not no no one cares. Okay, I'm that's just that's kidding. 100%. Actually, if you could just <laughs> Actually, take off. We're yeah, go. we're having a great uh, conversation. off for having a podcast here. <laughs> so I've known Brent since 2012. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. 2012. Why don't you tell our story? Oh man, do I just dive into it? Just get right into it. Oh love that accusation. I mean, <laughs> which is accurate it's true. and true and it's fair. True.
3: So unjust. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine and I owned a CrossFit gym. Opened in 2012 and immediately got plugged in with Baker, who was at Killcliffe at the time. What was your role there? You were just Baker at I Kill was Cliff. Everything. You were Baker at
2: Killcliffe. I don't take credit for anything. And I've always said if I'm you the had best a title, thing. Right? No.
3: You I didn't was have a job. One, one of the guys
2: that started the company. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't have a title. I was I've always said, if I'm the best thing we got, we're fucked. And I was the best thing that Killcliff had. Like we went from Well, here's to, why. Yeah.
3: It segues nicely into so we would order Killcliff and our Company credit card was on file, and every now and again, we would get like ten fucking cases of Kilcliffe show up at the door. Like, what the fuck? Who ordered this? We already have a fridge full of Kilcliff. What is going on here? Trying to figure it out. Come to find out, we'd call Baker and be like, "Dude, what's the deal?" And he'd be like, "Oh, my bad. I'll discount it and give you twenty percent off on your next order." <laughs> in, in hindsight, they needed cash in the coffers, and he was like. These are our best customers. Fuck it. They'll probably need more clips. It was normally based
2: stuff. around like a new product launch. So like we'd have a new flavor or something we drop and I would just start. I'd send three to five cases to everyone and they'd, they'd, they'd send me a text like, oh, hey, man, just saw you guys dropped a new flavor. Can we get some? I was like, oh, it's on the way. It'll be there tomorrow. I already, I already ordered it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. The old exercise sodas. Every single time we launched a new flavor, I did that. <laughs> and no one... Ever got mad? I remember there was some confusion, but there was never anger or animosity. I, I wasn't
3: fully angry because I was killcliff was very. What year did Kilcliff start? Eleven. Uh,
2: January twenty fourth,
3: two thousand eleven. Yeah, so you got like I was a small business owner. I knew you guys were small business, so I wasn't angry because we fucked shit up all the time until later when I kind of pieced it together. I'm like, that dude was trying to make his numbers. <laughs> and yeah. shit.
2: and um, then it was fun. I think uh, my last year there, I think I sold, it was like $1.2 million worth of Kill Cliff, And the average order size was
0: six cases.
3: <laughs> That's a lot of orders. That's a shit like yeah. You know
0: what though? Back in those, like when people were really into CrossFit, uh, then, I would were. crush some exercise sodas. And, and when the new flavors came out, I was like, oh shit. Blood orange. Like, it didn't taste any different. No, no. What, tell us the insider baseball. Was it just like, uh, we'll just color it purple and call it uh, guava? They were buying
3: no. factory seconds from Monster Energy. No, we, and just, no, <laughs> it was, it was, um,
0: we would just
2: come up with like new flavors and stuff. And like, pe- they were great. You know, it was a lot of fun. And that's, and this was like in the heyday of CrossFit. Like when CrossFit was actually cool. Yeah, unlike yeah. today, it's not it's, at uh, all anymore. Enough. Yeah, it's it's like it's it. pretty lame. They've really taken all the sugar out of that Kool Aid, but it was a lot of fun, man. Um, and I just send it all over yeah. the place. That's that is
0: where worst. I also met. So we have a weird love. What would this be like? A love octagon? or uh, a yeah, square. It's a square. Oh, square. We'll it's a square. A <laughs> Let's not yeah. church it up. Love square. square. Yeah, but I met you not through Kill Club, but through the CrossFit world yeah. in New York City. That's our whole story. Yeah. It's not that great. Well,
2: and then for years, we would, our our interactions were like, you were like, duck is disgusting. I was like, duck is delicious. No, so this is good. when I lived in Washington state and I was duck hunting like 30, 40 days a year. And like, he would be like, you know, duck is gross. I'm like, you just know it's wonderful. You don't know how to prepare it. Yeah. And, and last night I finally came clean and I was like, you know what, man, after all, all these gross. years, <laughs> duck's gross. You're right. 100% He's right. better
3: because yeah. you killed it. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, it just sounds it gives you a talking point. Yeah. It, it, it's it, a justification. It's it, it an arrow it. in the quiver to justify it. It's like anytime you hear someone talk about like a food or something like that and they say you just don't know how to prepare it. That means it requires special treatment to be palatable. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like exactly.
3: bear meat. Bear meat to me is that one where people are always
1: no bears delicious. You no. just have
3: to cook it properly. Bear
2: has trichinosis, and if you want parasites going in your muscle fibers, eat some bear. Yeah. <laughs> you have to soak it
1: in milk and cook it to this and that. Yeah, milk the like, vinegar, a brine, a brine,
2: and-, and this and all this. Yeah, yeah well, bear you bear you've got to hit one sixty five internal temperature for three minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't want any meat
1: that's one sixty five on the inside.
2: Yeah, I mean that. That's warm.
1: Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, yeah. you know, you talk yourself into it. Like, no, it's yeah, good absolutely. because it took so much preparation. Yeah, It'd make it palatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Ha- you
3: had to have a reason to go kill it anyway. Yeah. So you're like, well, it's, I,
1: it'll be. Tasty. I didn't realize that you owned a CrossFit
0: gym back
3: then. Yeah. Was that was that in North Carolina? Yeah. So we were the first CrossFit gym next to Camp Lejeune. So we were like right out the front gate. What was the name of it? Silwar. Yeah, CrossFit Silwar. What was yeah. the what, what was the genesis of so, so, the name? I had a charity that I was running called Silent Warrior Foundation. I couldn't come up with a name for the gym, and I didn't want to tie it to the charity, but I also am not that creative of a guy. So I was like, let's just chop this shit up, and a la Civil War. It was actually athletics, because we did strongman, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, and then we affiliated with Cross. Civil War? Silent Warrior? Yeah.
2: I thought it was like some special operations code word. No, it's some bullshit I made up. Oh, that's such a disappointment. Yeah. Is that gym still there? (laughs) No, No, so
3: we sold that. So basically we started SoftLite out of that gym uh, and then sold the gym maybe a year later to a guy who owned another CrossFit affiliate and he shut it down six months later. So it was running and profitable from 2012 to 17 and then we sold it and it was no longer profitable apparently. So he fucked it up. I'm not going to say that, but yeah. Which is common. There's a lot of... Yeah. So, so the issue was, if you buy a business that's profitable and operating, you, I, if I did that, I would come in and go, what do they have going on that's working? And then maybe make some minor changes to optimize what's going on. And Order he, some and, different flavors of Kill Cliff. Yeah, different, more yeah. Kill Cliff. Uh, <laughs> a lot more. Yeah, more Six weight cases. belts and things. Uh, but no, so he came in and basically the parameters under which we coached it's like one of them was coaches are coaches. They're not cheerleaders, right? So we're not sitting there clapping hands going, yay, do air squats. right? watchers. Yeah, not my cup of tea. I'm not the guy that wants somebody cheerleading me. That's not the coach that I wanted to be. And one of the first things he put out to the coaches is that you're there as entertainers as well as coaches, <laughs> which I'd never think is a great idea. But if, even if it is, the gym had been built on the premise that coaches are coaches, they're not trainers. So why would you come in and change that? And he went, across the board, essentially going backwards from everything that we had done. And whether it was better or not, the culture we had built for five years didn't support that. So kind of doomed to failure.
0: I do think, I mean, it's funny talking about this CrossFit stuff. Like when I was coaching CrossFit, I think there is a value in not having a across the gym, across the board coaching kind of standard, because then you can have a variance and people will come in for the people they like. Yeah. Right, like if Agreed. you wanted to come yeah. in and be, be told you were you a piece of shit with... by a stoic asshole who's like really sleep deprived, yeah, come get coached by Jericho. But if you want to have like a clock watcher who cheers for you and
3: whatever, there's other coaches for that. Yeah, and we we had drastic variance in coach personality, but we still followed the same structure, yeah. principles, etc. So there was continuity because you didn't mm-hmm. want. Kevin in their coaching and telling people to push their knees in for a back squat. And then Baker comes in and he's like, no, actually you want to push your knees out or or whatever the the difference is. That'd be one wrong and one right. But there's multiple ways to do a run. So we, we standardized everything down to like Olympic weightlifting technique. So technique being the way that you move the bar, form being are you moving the bar safely? Like safe is... Pretty much agreed upon by everybody, and technique is up for debate, right? Like you guys all know this from Olympic weightlifting. Are you? doing John Norris thing or, you know, what are you doing? Uh, you could do it safely, but it's a different <laughs> technique. Yeah. Did he say John Norris? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, boy, he's like on one end of the spectrum. Is he still alive? Still I don't know. Really he, or got, or he had a heart
2: attack. Yeah, he did. He, well, and then he, he got did. into bodybuilding. And steroids, steroids big
3: steroids. He had a heart he attack. Shocker. A, yeah. Shocker. His <laughs> head was the size of my shoulders before <laughs> steroids. <laughs> he, he was a dude that when you went to his thing, one, he was a character, which I always is interesting to me because I'm boring. But two, he would tell you he walked into his first gym as like a meth addict off the street. Yeah, basically. crackhead, yeah. Yeah, crackhead off the street, which is yeah. very, I, extremely need, motivated. I challenged him to
2: yeah. a fight one time. Did he do it? No, I told him I'd pay him $2,500 to show up. He didn't have to win. He just had to show up. I'm surprised he didn't fight. No. Him.
0: I would think he would be the guy that would be like,
2: this They're, is when he moved to Oregon and he was close to, uh, to where I
0: was living yeah. in Washington. Yeah. There's some, I was like, I'll come to years in that world, in the Olympic weightlifting world. There's, oh, yeah. Man. Now, I don't know about it anymore, but there were some real yeah. weirdos. I'm
3: sure there's like, you have to be a weirdo to dedicate your life to standing on a platform putting a barbell over your head. Like that's a weird thing to yeah. dedicate your especially life to, especially in this country. Yeah. yeah. Where,
2: you know, the numbers aren't that great.
0: I, I dedicated like 4 years of my life to that. Yeah.
3: You did other things in that time. That's level. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, really. let's uh let's talk about something really interesting. So, <laughs> nice. where did you go to high school? What state? Wilmington, Delaware, Okay, city and state. I for, gave you more information. For those of you listening that don't
0: know where that state is, I don't know where it is either. So don't feel I tell bad. people Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. So it's like 20 minutes. You, you drive through it day. on your way to New York. I know that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Is that by New York? Huh, kind of. Is yeah. that by Georgia? No, not by Georgia. So what happened after high school? Uh, I did a semester of community college. Okay. Uh, me too. And then I had, this is a recurring theme throughout my life. I had a good dirt bike accident where I was laying in a bed for a day or two. Uh, and decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. And I joined the Marine Corps.
2: Okay. what did you do in the Marine Corps? Uh,
3: I was a recon Marine and then MARSOC. Okay. Um, how long were you recon Marine? Uh, like four and a half years. And yeah. then MARSOC for what, what, four what, and a half, what five. Years, so though? I did t- basically ten, just shy of 10 years. And that was split between those two. So well, I went in in 08. And then I went to MARSOC in 2012. How'd you like that? I loved it. It was great. I, I only got out. So the, my partners in Softly wanted me to get out to run the company for two years to see where we could take it. And then my plan was to go back in because I really enjoyed the work. And then things just got really busy with Softly. It was like, well, I'm, I'm not going back to that, if uh-huh. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. How did uh, you like your time? I loved it. It was great. It was yeah. phenomenal. It's a, I don't tell people to go that direction. Like young kids that talk to us, young kids, young men that talk to us. Hey, I want to go into special operations. I don't tell them to go that path because I don't think it's the most direct path to the way that you, the, the things they want to do, if that makes sense. What's, what advice do
2: you give kids? So that like, yeah, hey, I want to join the military. I want to be a Green Beret. I want to be a CEO. I want to-
3: so recently I've started, started telling them you need to view this as service because mm-hmm. more than likely you're not going to make it. Like ah. even if, just <laughs> go ahead and quit. <laughs> That's, That's true. No, yeah. no. Statistically, everybody who didn't make it set out to make it, right? Like, right. so why are you different? And you have your own ideas of why you're different, but statistically speaking, you're not going to make it. So statistically speaking, you're going to end up in a, you're not going to be a Navy SEAL, a CCT, a Ranger, a MARSOC guy. You're going to be, something else in the service that they place you into when you aren't. And Marsox is different because you can't go straight into Marsox. So now there's like other wickets you have to hit. And so I tell guys, go in to serve your country, which, and if you end up with a really cool job because you stayed the course, then that's a bonus. Um Yeah and and i probably need to phrase that. i i do phrase that differently to them but you know if you do, if this doesn't work out what i hate to see is guys that come up to me and it happens to you guys i'm sure that say i was just a insert job infantry yeah. mm-hmm. what I, like it it boils my blood because it's it's not something i'm sure there's soft guys that that say that but I, I don't say that. I don't say that guy was just an infantry guy. I may say he was an infantry guy. Or if we're talking about something specific to soft, I may say he wasn't soft. He has this relevant piece of information. But hearing guys say that, I don't like it because they still, they raised their right hand. For most of my generation, if they did in that time in your guys' generation, they went to war. like They did a lot of shit that's notable and worth it and in a complex job serving their country. So that's why I tell guys. First and foremost, go in with the idea that you're going to serve your country and get comfortable with the idea that you may not become a insert special job.
1: Here. I, I do think they're way more prepared than we collectively were. Well, absolutely. Uh, there's an entire absolutely. industry and the internet and everything else where they know what they're getting into. The they know Why? Yeah. They know yeah. the standards. Well, there's businesses and there's yeah, screening. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea guys come up to me and it's, it's been a theme throughout my career going from battalion, Ranger battalion to PJ staff. tons like CAG sergeant majors hey, my son wants to be a Marine or a Ranger. Can you please make him be a PJ? I'm like, oh, I can, I can educate him on what it right. is. But they'll come in thinking like, well, you know, I did all this uh, training and I know what the standards are for eight week, 10 week, whatever. But then they psych themselves out a little bit, mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that they train up. And then I boil it down to, I didn't know anything. No. I literally just showed up because that's what I wanted to do. And yeah. I will do it or I will, you know, put well, my you, best foot forward. No,
3: or you had no standard for... Like you knew, I knew I had to hit a 275 physical fitness test, which is like, you have to be pretty, like really fit to hit that. But I had never done 20 pull-ups until I showed up at recon school because Mm -hmm. in all of the other things that I did, 16 or 17 pull-ups was like, damn, that dude's really fit. He's doing 16 or 17 dead hang pull-ups. And I remember I was in starting in like the mid back, like back three quarters of the way through the line to do pull-ups. And every dude, like 50 guys in front of me jumped up, did 20 pull-ups, which maxed out the physical fitness test and then got off the bar. I was like, holy fuck, like this is the standard. And so I'd never done 20 before. And I just showed it. was like, well, I guess we do 20, right? And did 20 pull-ups. But now all these guys know- Low key I flex. I do my- so, low well, key, key flex. It's <laughs> definitely not a flex. Army guys think that, but now I think the Marine Corps Center now is 22 or 24.
1: Now, wait a second. It is a flex. It is. It not. is literally their recruiting thing. They have a pull-up bar at, oh, with that the recruiters. real jiggly one. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're like, hop up there and see what you can do. <laughs> yeah. like, the jiggly one. Have, <laughs> have you ever? gotten on that thing? Yes. Fuck yeah. It's like they 20. didn't put it together. Correctly. It's got it's some like, whip in like, it. Yeah, it's got some yeah. whip. I knocked out twenty. One for the rain, <laughs> airborne ranger in the sky. But, I was right. like,
3: mm, but, but but my point is, those kids know now. They're like, I got to do twenty pull-ups and run a sub twenty minute five k to be competitive. Like they know that as they go. But
2: out. hold on, so. Okay, they know the, the that standard, and that yeah. twenty pull ups for an eighteen year old, twenty two year old, whatever. That doesn't seem outlandish.
3: No, it's not.
2: But I don't think that has anything to do with them passing the selection and getting through and making it to the the, the final destination. It just makes the, like an initial step easier. So it's like foot in the door. Yeah. So like if you got it, it allows you to get to the next evolution you know, the next test or whatever. But like, even if you guys had the training when you were going through... Would it, would it have made you better? Would it have made it any
0: different? It would have made my life way easier.
2: Really? They do I, They do it's, a it's
1: whole a, bunch of shit right now. I mean, yeah. they will literally run these dudes. I don't know what the fee is. They pay some guy or a, a former ex, just fill in the blank. They'll do land nav. They'll do, you know, pistol carbine. They'll do whatever the fuck to try to spin them up, basically to go to selection. It's a yeah. whole industry that I wasn't aware of until a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this thing. There's a guy that wants to be a ranger. Yeah. There's a Marsoc guy. So there's, there's a, a, a SEAL side dude. there's a that
3: coin though, where they, you're showing up, to a test, part of that is showing up and not having the answers to the test and mm-hmm. figuring it out and right. being uncomfortable, which is a critical component to these jobs. And these guys have effectively done it already. I'm not saying it's cheating. I And if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? I would have definitely done one of those camps or whatever when I was 18 years old if I had that opportunity. <laughs> but I think it you now take a little bit away from the actual selection process where it's like you you didn't know what every day was going to be in any of those selections or courses. And now they kind of do. So
2: yeah. like I get asked, I was never in the military. I get asked all the time. Melissa sent me a text this morning. There's a kid uh, in our gym named George who wants to go into special forces. And uh, she's like, would, you know, you, you, all your friends, you know, all the guys you hang out with did that. You know, would, would you like talk to him? And I was like, well... Yeah, but like, I think every single person, just from hanging around all you guys and spending years uh, around all y'all, I think that every person, the moment they sign the paper to try out for that, they know the outcome. They know if they're going to make it already or if they're not. They, it may not be on the forefront of their head, but it's somewhere in their body, they know if they're going to finish it or not.
3: Yeah, I would say like, um, I'd say half of them are wrong. No, mean, <laughs> yeah. meaning, meaning I think that yeah. most of them know they're not going to make it. I don't agree. Really? No, I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree I've either, to, actually. I, actually, I wrote... As well, if you write, guys know what you're talking talks. about, and I don't, <laughs> huh? Yeah. I would, so
0: I, I worked at RIP before it was RASP, and I would say 80% of the people that quit, that self-select, had the ability to pass.
2: But it's not, it's, it, yeah, it's a mental, I'm talking about the mental component. Right. Like you can do all the push-ups and setups. Yeah. And you can go in healthy, properly trained, diet, nutrition, on point, blood work, everything. You are, you are as in good shape as you're ever going to be
1: to take on those tasks. Mentally, you either have it or you don't. Yes, yeah, I agree. But 100%. you don't know until you get there because it's no different than the guy that thinks he's funny or thinks he's awesome. And you think he's a douche, but he doesn't have that perception of himself. You know what I mean? Like, so you're not a quitter. So I think that's right. But you have that guy that's like, I'm going to make it. But he says it. He might say it. He also thinks it. He really thinks it
3: about himself. So I've I've seen guys, there's also a piece where you have to pass or be selected. Mm -hmm. So... Like I can think of a, a guy that I went to and I hate where this conversation's gone, by the way. I love it. I absolutely love I it. All the, and all these guys and all the civilians listening love it too. Yeah. So get my back so, on. This. So this guy, there's I call it the X factor and it and that's basically the willingness to do the things, but that's separate from the ability to do the things. So you have to have the ability, which is you can measure that out. You could say it's 20 pull-ups in a 20 minute 5K or better than both of those numbers or whatever services physical you can measure that the x factor you can't and that that's kind of what you're talking about and you hit that at different points you hit that in a good selection event where it's like you're alone in the woods and you're lost are you going to walk to somewhere you can figure out where you are or are you going to walk to a road put out your beacon and quit but you also hit that like you saw guys hit that going into combat where it was like Either they wanted to go or they didn't. And maybe they're in that special unit, but they still didn't want to go. Like, we've all seen that where it's like a guy doesn't, he doesn't want to go to the show. And that's fine. You don't, like you're, like Kevin's saying, you don't know whether you're that guy or not until you're there. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like no, you, no. Can, yeah, no. you can okay. fantasize about it all you want. But the, on the quitting side, I remember watching a guy I went to selection with literally crying because he was failing an event. And this dude was in better shape than I was. He was harder. He worked harder. He wasn't as intelligent and I'm pretty self-aware. And that was where his hangup was, was like he couldn't conceptualize the thing that we needed to do, but he was crying because he's like, dude, I got one more shot at this and I'm done. And he was done. They, they washed him out of the pipeline. He was, he was done and back to a, his old unit. Everything I've seen in the selections I've done, like a lot of the people that quit, they quit
0: because they think they're going to fail anyway. Where I was like, "You guys got to kick yeah. me out of here." I'm not going you to. You that. But you've told
2: me a couple times like your thing is performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. The things that would rattle you was like you were scared of not or failing an event or not performing or something. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that you have told me that rattled you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would way rather get shot than look like. I wasn't good
2: at my yeah. job. So I asked my brother, I was like, Mitchell I was like, Did you ever think about quitting? You know, when my brother's a force on Rain, I was like, Did you ever think about quitting? He's like, No. The thing that kept me up at night was laying in bed and thinking of having to call our mother and tell her that I failed. He's like, I never once thought about quitting because I was too terrified of failing. Hmm. And and that's a mindset. Yeah. I don't I I I am very self-aware. I don't possess that same Thing that my brother has. I have other skills. He's got that. Um, and what I was getting at, and was saying is, I think that everybody knows if they have the mental toughness or not. Because people along the lines, you're, I guess your average guy going in is you know eighteen to twenty two or something like that, joining the military, whatever. You've either quit at shit in life, or you haven't mm-hmm. up to that point. I don't think that you guys have probably ever
0: quit anything you've ever done. I quit done. Uh, fast pitch baseball. That, 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 mm. I'm not. Because I, I was getting beamed by the, it, during tryouts, I, I got like the pitchers were trying out at the same time.
1: So, and, and, and so I, was I, getting, I was just
0: getting <laughs> beamed. This kid's name was Bud. I don't remember his last name, but if you're out there, I don't know what I'm going to say to you next, but I was just getting pegged by the pitcher. And it, you know, we were like 13, 14, years. this kid could wing the ball. It hurt so bad. So I got, I took like 10, 15. Oh, shit. Wax. baseball, a- a and I was like, "Man, fuck this! Dude, this sucks." Dude, I'm not doing this when anymore. I was. When we lived so in New winner.
2: York. When we lived in New York City when I was in second grade. I got beamed by a pitch and shit my pants. Swear to God,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've got a better story than that.
0: That, that looked well, way better than, than I thought it would. <laughs> I, I literally shit my pants.
2: Yeah. Um, Did you quit well, baseball after that? No. So no, yeah, I'm a glory. No, yeah, but no. I, and I finished the game with, with like, and when I say shit my pants, I don't mean like a little marker. I'm talking like a blow, blowout. blowout. Yeah, and did, you, like, did you, were, you were slide white, into the next base just a mask? No, the I got fucking drilled in the head. base, <laughs> <and laughs> <not gonna laughs> shit myself. So my very good friend Ryan Sheehan. So th- God, this is one of my favorite sports stories. Ryan is six foot five lefty. He was a pitcher. Dog shit fastball. Piece of shit curveball. Just terrible through junk. But he had a first ballot Hall of Fame pickoff move to first base. And what he would do is he would hit people on purpose and then pick them off at first. And he got ejected from a few games. And Savannah High, (laughs) back in the day, inner city Savannah High, uh, they didn't have a softball team. And uh, they had this white girl on their baseball team. And he drilled her (laughs) twice. and picked her off at first both times. <laughs> and the second time he went, get your ass to the dugout. <laughs> got kicked out of the game.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ryan if you're listening. Oh, great story. But um I derailed
0: that, but yeah, I, I derailed it but, because you have never quit anything but I have. Yeah. yeah. But I chipped my pants cuz
2: I, I, I led with a ball direct. in second <laughs> grade.
3: The direction we went was much better than yeah. the yeah. direction
2: we were yeah. going. So, uh what was the hardest thing uh, I hate your questions. <laughs> that, the civilians that's love what we, it. That's why we bring civil- I know. So <laughs> just to fuck so, with me. You went recon, and then you went through the MARSOC process, yeah, right? I did, yeah. What was the hardest thing about MARSOC? Getting
3: there, like making it the tryouts and all that stuff. So when I went through, it was the first half, which is the hardest half, was kind of a copy paste of recon school. So I, I, had the, I cheated. I had the answers to the test before I did it. Um, it's long, though. It's it's a long. How like, are you allowed to say? Yeah, it's uh, now. I think it's a year and a half, but it was nine months because I was an idiot and opted out of language. So, well, I didn't opt out. You, language was optional back then. But if you scored really well on the D Lab, which is the test to see your aptitude for language language aptitude battery, yeah. So if you if you scored, I should say if you scored poorly enough, then you didn't have to go to language. Cause you're like we're not sending this idiot to six months of language school. He's just, just gonna a carry a saw yeah. anyway, because he's an idiot. And so I was didn't want to go to language. So I threw that test out as hard as I could and didn't go to language. Now you have to go to language. So like you're even if you're an idiot, you're going to six months of language school. Uh but the length, the the guys that were able to make it that didn't... We had a lot of guys that couldn't keep their life together, if that makes sense. So in hindsight, that was one of the hang-ups that would be more... And I didn't have my life together. I just didn't get a DUI or anything when I was going through. I was smart enough to like pretend it was together, if that makes sense. Um, but nothing physical was hard or challenging? No, because I'd done it before. So and it was So you but it was It's easy to become a Marsauk Marine. That's great. Yeah, it's really easy. That's uh, great. What, what I'm more saying is there was no standout moment. Like I didn't have a, a come to Jesus moment with myself where I was like, you can't quit, right? Like I, that wasn't a thought process for me. It was like, okay, we got to do pushups until this guy's tired of making us do push-ups. Like I'll do the push-up. But it, it's also a very professional course because you've already been assessed and selected where they're like, this guy's trainable. He has the personal personality that we want. He's has these attributes already. So the goal of the course is not to weed you out And the selection process is extremely professional where you're still selected in the sense it's not pass fail. You could pass it all and we still don't want you because you're a dickhead, but it's, there's nobody in your face yelling at you in that course, which is kind of a nice way to go through it. Like your parts where you're out in the woods by yourself for, you know, an hour or hours on
1: end doing land nav. It's just you with a piece of paper getting to your points. Right. When you have the confidence too, like, I had not the same, but similar, you know, I went through another selection. It's like, well, fuck man, the last X amount of years I've become tougher mentally, tougher physically. I know what I've done. I know how to do my job. I'm just going to apply it here. You know, Yeah. I I had the keys to the city at that point, I guess. So (laughs) let
2: me ask you this. So like stuff that you guys did, you know, later in your careers, like there's obviously a degree of like physical debilitation from being a, a ranger and you know, combat and all that stuff and being yeah. a recon Marine and all that stuff and ranger. And like, does that aff- like affect your performance? Like Absolutely. I'm not as fast. Like I've got some little nagging injuries, you know, meniscus injuries and stuff like that. Like how big of a deal is that? It's huge. It's
3: it, it, for a lot of guys, that is the, the make or break of their careers. Like, are you too injured to continue doing right. the job? And it can happen quickly. I broke my tib fib on a dirt bike and that very easily could have ended my career right then and there if it didn't heal back properly.
1: I do think though there's an equation and I don't know the the physiology of it or whatnot, but my mark was age 30, right? So when you get to 30-ish, plus or minus, probably a little different for everybody, but your mental fortitude to do whatever it is that you need to do kind of kicks you back to like 25. You know what I mean? You can push through discomfort or old injuries and things like that and you're able to, get through what you need to do based on how mentally tough you are at that point. You know, because that is growing also. So I think there's this balance, you know, and there's that sweet spot where yeah. you're like running on all cylinders. You're, you're very mentally tough. Don't need physically. sleep. Can't get tired. Yeah. And I mean, you do, but that's where the brain takes over and you're like, Nope, this is how it has to be. So I have to. Be. In that world. So
0: my own experience, I, you know, when I was fucking 18, I went to rip, went to range Behind. Then when I was in E8, they came out with this new policy in the Ranger Regiment that in order to take your next position as either a platoon sergeant or a first sergeant, you had to re-go through assessment selection. You went had to go through RASP 2, which RASP 2 is not like RIP. You're not getting motherfucked and you're not... It's, it's a gentleman's course, you know, but the standards of performance are the same.
3: Yeah, it's hard right? to PT events, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, constant assessment from the psych and, and, and the cadre and all that. So I went to that after putting in, I think I'd been in regiment 12 years at that point, right? So, like, I had some miles on my fucking frame. But, like you were saying, I kind of had the key, the the answers to the test, right? So, when I think about, like, to go back earlier, like, does having that knowledge help? Like, it's a bandwidth thing, right? Like, yeah, maybe my knees hurt like fuck, and that cut some of my bandwidth out because I was, like, dealing with that. But I also knew the game so well that I was just like, Okay. You know, and they do the little like crucible event at the end and they're like, everybody get on the road. We're running back. I was like, no, we're not <laughs> You know, like <laughs> we're going to run a few hundred meters and we're going to get on a fucking truck. Like you're just trying to get a couple of guys to quit right now. Right. You know, like, cause I'd, I'd worked at the course before. So like, it's all just little things that can cut, nibble at that bandwidth. But I think having experience, it, it way outweighs having like the perfect physical makeup Absolutely. to pass the course. Okay. Did anybody quit? Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. At that moment,
0: no way, really. Oh, no, like, that, and not in RASP. Okay. okay, but I saw that work in like when I was a cadre and I and when I went through other slides, yeah, that works great on wow. like real dumb people, like yeah, yeah
3: or if they're at that cusp, like Land Nav, they yeah. hit their fifth point and you give them the verbiage that they're getting a sixth and they're watching the sunset and they're like, fuck, man, I can't, I can't do one more. The guys will, cool. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I what I was gonna say is, and something that I actually enjoy talking about is, is those units assess and select for your stress tolerance as well. They're really bad about giving you tools to increase that or decrease the, the stress you're carrying. But the stress tolerance is one of those things that you want a guy with high stress tolerance so that if he sprains an ankle on an insert, he can still complete the mission or whatever it is, right? And so... Well, that's that's the... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they're, they're picking those guys that they think like, this guy can break his back and probably... Heal up and keep doing it yeah.
1: I think that something we didn't address earlier because we went down a shit story. But the thing that you can't, and I've been through a handful of selections, different types, different uh standards for passing, some more PT, you know, physical fitness kind of things, some water, some shooting standards. You can't evaluate how you're gonna perform under stress until you're there. And everybody performs differently. Um, I used to kind of joke or and and I felt like it was true, but you're 25% dumber. Walking into a selection on certain things because you can't metabolize it the way you could on a couch. If I gave you the problem or the task on the couch and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I could do that. Two rounds, two seconds from concealed at X distance, no problem. Go out on the range, do it by yourself. Now I run the timer and you're shooting for a job and a livelihood. You're not going to be, you're not the same. There's a pass fail. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a pass fail, but it's how you metabolize the stress, right, yeah. what your threshold is for
2: it. So, which leads me into my next uh, question. Um, <clears throat> you, Join what year did you were you in the ranger battalion? Was it ninety seven. Ninety seven? Two thousand one. And then when did you join oh, the military? Eight. Oh eight. Yeah. So how much like evolution of training, exercise, physiology, longevity of career, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> like, so I'm I'm from Savannah, Georgia, which is where First Ranger Bat mm-hmm. is located. Um, I have seen some massive army rangers. Mm-hmm. They get into battalion, uh, you know, deploy, they're good rangers, and they start lifting like big weights, mm-hmm. like super big dudes. Um, and I've seen numerous, numerous chubby backslash fat Green Berets, <laughs> masters of playing.
3: We need <laughs> so, one here to defend them.
2: Well, we don't, we don't, well, we don't, I was going to say we don't have any fat Green Berets here, but we've got, we got a little punch here. But the 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 the, the training and how, how much has that evolved over the years? Like the way you trained, from, let's say, physical like exercise and all that stuff from, like, 98 to, say, like, 2005. It's had to evolve drastically. We had gym. Still, gym? I, mean, that's, I just yeah. pulled that out of my ass. Yeah. You know what it, I mean? But, like, you're, it, you're extending it mean
3: different beasts altogether. You're extending
2: careers now yes. exponentially yeah. based on what we know training-wise and all that stuff. Like, right. When did that really start coming uh, into the picture?
1: What was the dude's name in the gym? Wasn't his Jim. name
0: Jim? He, he died. Oh, oh, yeah. He's from dead. exercise. Well, I mean. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Um. It, it was a trickle. It trickled in, you know, but in, in Ranger Regiment, we came out with this thing called RAW, the Ranger Athlete Warrior, right? Which was a product of, we had a trainer at 275 that mm-hmm. a civilian that we hired, he just sat in our gym. His name was Jim. And, you know, basically taught us like how to not round our backs when we squatted and and shit like, or, hey, maybe you should squat guy. Yeah. You know, that's why you're always getting knee and ankle injuries because you have fucking chicken legs. Oh. You know? Um and lots of So running. it was a trickle. Um but in, in the Ranger Regiment, things are usually on kind of a two-year cycle because we have a regimental commander for two years. And that, that commander will come in and he'll have his, uh, like, things he wants to leave his mark on the regiment, right? And I think the, the raw person
3: was, that was around 06. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, 06, to me, is when I, I would guess it started Let me change. Let me rephrase the question.
2: That, that, that answers my question. But the GWAT. 2001, we go to war mm-hmm. and you guys are doing your jobs, high tempo, everything you've been training for, you know, you're, you're putting it into, in, into action. How quickly and how much did that evolve? Like, okay, we don't, you know, Hey uh, Bob, you don't need to be able to deadlift 750 pounds to, to operate effectively in, in Afghanistan.
3: Well, that was never, it, it started to go that it started as we're going to run, do push-ups, and swim until we can't anymore. And that was your your PT, it wasn't mm-hmm. called training. It was, you know, it was PT, which I guess yeah. is an acronym for training. But it wasn't like weight training. wasn't even even when I went in, that was the the anomaly more than the rule. Like run, swim, runs or ruck, fin, runs were a huge deal in recon battalion. Where like that's what you did for your workout is you ran to the beach, you swam for a couple miles, and then you ran back. Yeah. To your barracks. I,
1: I think okay. it was a little case specific too because yeah. we would have like a platoon or or you know a company that was or even a squad, and especially while they deployed. All of a sudden, dudes would get kind of jacked, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you'd go back and some, who knows, change of command, whatever. You'd start running more, doing whatever the, yeah. the task was. So it'd kind of ebb and flow a bit. But I was a little bit more switching services, going from, you know, gym. Even when I went through selection to do PJ stuff, they had a sports physiologist. I mean, he was like on it. And that was kind of my first look at very calculated And they would break into run groups like, hey, these are your times for these distances. You have the potential to do this. So you need to be in this group. All the way to the point of today at my unit, we have, I call it church and the confessional. We have a gym that looks like a professional athlete gym. Like like a college, by college level. I wouldn't say pro. Maybe some do. Maybe SEC some caliber gym, yeah, sure. And then we also have human performance. So if I'm fucked up, I can throw my name on the list any day, any time, and I can get needling. I can get cupping. You know, they actually taking care of you. And when you're injured, they fix you by and large in house with our human performance yep. teams. Yeah, so I think most of the SOCOM units. Yeah, are you're that getting way. more.
2: Like, so I mean, how much money would you say the government has invested in three of you guys? Millions of dollars. Yeah, I, millions, yeah. I, you know. So, guess. like, being tough and, like, pushing through injuries and stuff, like, it, you know. But, but that's another question. Like, how do you, how did you guys deal with that? Like, injuries and stuff, you know, like, I've always heard a ranger take a knee and drink some water, you know. Like that's pills. how you do
3: it. You just take a knee and drink water. Yeah, and yeah. that heals you everything. Heals you take, you
0: take prescription painkillers.
3: That's how I did it. Yeah. There,
2: but, like, and then there's also, like, a, like. Showing weakness, like yeah, my knees
0: hurt, or like I, I've got an injury. You I know? didn't know what a foam roller was until I left Ranger Ed. All right, like uh, you knew about stretching, but it was what? like that stretching is what you did when you stood around and bullshitted until you were t- ready to go run. Yeah. You know what I mean? It like
2: soft, how to heal soft tissue injuries and no. like no. ligament strains That was a sprained.
3: cultural issue that yeah. I'm. have t- talked to guys recently that they think the pendulum has has began to swing too far, and so in a selection event, I am the of the opinion whatever your selection is should be. Hard mm-hmm. like as hard as you can make it, there should not be any type of performance training in that, like fuck these guys up, and if they pop out on the other end, then you build the athlete um, and i've I've heard that that is not the case where they're trying to build guys in selection. And my thought process there that's is like, dumb. run what you brung, man. Like show up, ready to go. Tell them the things they need to hit. You got a 15 mile ruck in whatever time with X amount of weight and a swim, you know, put that out there so they know what the standards are. But now if you don't hit those standards, that's on you. And that, that needs to just be a very physically challenging event. Then you build guys after. Yeah. Then
2: you need to go to, what's the Air Force base in San Antonio where they do the, the Air Force Lackland? La- so John Welburn and I went and toured the Lackland facility where they put guys through CCT, the ba- battlefield airmen, whatever the program Let's is, like PJ that. CCTs, that's where they all go to start their training. Everything there is monitored. Their beds are cooled. They have copper wiring in their beds. Their beds are a certain temperature at night. What year
3: was This, this? is in this, selection. Th- this is two
1: years ago. Oh, I have no idea. So in, in 2005, when I went to the selection... I thought, so the standards never changed, but the programming was not haphazard. And there was an actual like strength coach, running coach, swim coach. It's not that they were trying to dim down the standards. It was, they were trying to allow you through the um, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, because there's like a pre and then a the actual event, they're trying to build you up. And that's the way the standards were, were also designed. You know, they're increasing for X. So I, I thought it was smart, but it wasn't giving him any quarter. Yeah, this will. is, they, this, they
2: have float tanks there. I they have everything. Now that's okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Me. John Wilburn had just come back like two weeks prior from Damn Neck. I think he was doing some training stuff with like Gold Squad guys or yeah. something like that. And he said, uh, it was me, John Wilburn, and like a handful of generals. And he said, I just came back from Damn Neck. And he goes, I've never seen... They don't even have anything like this. Yeah. Hmm. And the general's like, well, you know, they're trying... They want to give the guys their every single possible opportunity to pass, which makes sense. But they were talking about like, well,
3: you know, it's like, well, you're just kind of making making really expensive quitters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I think you got to pay the man before you get all the niceties. Yeah.
3: There's... And that's not even an earn it thing. It's like, we want the dude that can go into an ambiguous situation figure it out and excel, not the guy that needs to be coddled all the way through. So there's,
0: there's a, like everything, there's a balance, right? So in regiment right now, before the, you know, skill level one, people go to RASP one, they now have to do pre-RASP, which is basically where they teach them how, not how to be tough, but be like, okay, this is what discomfort feels like. Because, you know, I'm, I'm buddies with a couple of guys that are are still there at high levels. And they said that, they wouldn't be able to run RASP as the POI it is now with the current candidates coming in that they have. No one would pass. So they do have to do a certain amount of stuff to set them up for success. The course hasn't changed, but the way that they prep people has. So like, I don't know what pre-RASP is. I think it's like three or four weeks, but they come in and they're like, hey, here's how you do a fucking road march. And like, this is what it's going to feel like because I hate to sound like a boomer, but a lot of the people that are coming in, just haven't been uncomfortable and they think, Oh, this is a, fu-. you know, I, my last job in the army, I taught ROTC up in New York, you know, that's where we met. And I remember new cadets coming in and we do PT and like, they would come and tell me they had to go to the doctor and I'm like, Oh fuck, what's wrong? And they're like, I said, they were just sore. They'd never been fucking sore. Yeah. So like, you know, again, I don't want to sound like a boomer, but like, it's a generational thing. Right? I, don't,
3: I, dis- I was waiting for you to say it and I disagree. I think it's, you're, you're getting different people now.
0: Yeah, but that's the,
3: that's society's fault. So, Life is easier. But, yeah, but yeah. what and I'm that's, saying is there's kids always in a bad that generation that are doing hard shit. Like I there's a kid that I race dirt bikes with who breaks bones annually and trains his ass off and does really hard shit, but he's not he's just turned 19. He's not going into the military now. Whereas I think the years I came in, he would have. So the kids that are looking for all of the things that bring, I don't think you're getting the same person. From the age demographic.
2: So we, we were at shot. I was talking to uh, uh, a guy, a Delta guy, older guy. He flew for the airlines? Huh? The airline? Yeah. He's a pilot for Delta Airlines. Yeah. And he was, we were talking and uh, one of the, uh, he said that, you know, Colin Powell came through and did like an assessment. They let him witness their entire, like, uh, I don't know, what is, to get into Delta, what's it called? Election selection. And, um, he said, he goes, this is the most, it, it was about equality in the unit and like, you know, a certain number of, you know, different, you know, guys, different races and stuff. They wanted to see more. And so they opened it up and let Colin Powell come look at the whole thing. And he said, this is the most professionally organized I've ever witnessed in my life. He goes, but I do have one suggestion. I would ask that you put swimming stuff at the back of it because there are people that have never been exposed to swimming and you got to give them a chance to try and learn. Right. And I was like, well, that makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a, that's not a, if you don't, you know, it's like toss me into the cockpit of an F-15 and be like, go fly this thing, motherfucker. I'm like, I don't know how, you know, it's not my fault. I'm not, not tough or not smart. I just, don't could you kind of before you jump out, could you give me
2: a few pointers here? Maybe I think I yeah. can pull it off. But yeah. 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 No, but I, I think that um, uh, the the stuff that I saw, it's like they were setting them up, giving them ever every single possible opportunity to pass. But it looked, it made it look kind of, it's like, well, this doesn't seem like super tough, you know, like. But I guess to your point, it does need to be hard as shit, right?
3: Well, but but there's also, there's times and places, right? So I think all of the selections have a pre-selection and that I think you could give guys the tools, but you're not, it's not enough time to really drive adaptation anyway. Like a three-week pre-selection, you're not building an athlete in three weeks. Mm-hmm. It takes years to do that. And so what's the point is my question. If you're trying to teach the guy, to tie knots for a knot test, that makes sense. But if you're putting him in a float tank so that he can hit a heavier back squat... <laughs> I'm, I'm not making that up. Yeah, and, and, yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, more comfortable under a rock, I, d- I don't think that's what the right answer looks like. And But I think the pendulum could swing the other way. So you make guys live in the dirt and treat them like shit in selection, and then post-selection, you're like, hey, this is the guy. He's tough. We're going <laughs> to train him. He's tough enough. And now you pamper his ass and... Make him the best athlete you can. But, and again, there still needs to be suffering events. Cause like, if you Mm -hmm. don't suffer, you forget how to suffer. So agreed. we changed it. uh, When I was my last uh, rotation at Marstock, we changed our workup. So the first thing a team did when they got together to get ready for deployment was a a greenside reconnaissance patrol. What does that mean? It means you walk in the woods Living out of your ruck for an extended period of time, and we would go so far as to do an, an amphib insert. So you would swim into a beach and then do. And it's kind of just the shittiest, most boring thing that you do. I would argue in the maybe seals in the submersibles are that's probably more boring. But short of that, it's like the most thing all soft units kind of do. Uh, and so we would kick it off with that. And usually it's, it's North Carolina, so it's extremely gross and hot in the summer and you don't want to be there. And then winters are like bone chilling cold. Yeah. Humidity. yeah, yeah. It, it's is totally like, awful. I'd rather be in an yeah. Idaho winter than a North Carolina winter.
0: Fucking every time. Yeah. It's the worst.
3: And so we would kick it off with that. I hate it. What the GWAT did is made everybody want to be an assaulter where you, you know, get off a helicopter, you go kick in a door, you get back on the helicopter an hour later. Oh yeah, five, brother. Go get food. Net- he knows Rangers, about that. Like, Yeah. And you you lose, in my opinion, if you just went too far in one direction, you lose that ability to suffer. So I think you, every once in a while you got to have that man check. You know, the man check's important. I think that's important for everybody. Did but, the mm. the training and stuff stateside?
2: Did that? Did you was the was did it fit the mission overseas? Like, were you studying the wrong? Were you studying the right notes?
3: Yeah, yeah. Because this is going to sound weird coming from me for people that know me but I actually like doctrine like if you apply doctrine it it works and yeah. so like you make an L and you win somebody I heard somebody say that once and it was like yeah that's kind of always true right if you make an L correctly for an ambush like you win the ambush right yeah. um, there's other things that go into <laughs> that it's a gross oversimplification but that's the reality is like the doctrine works. That's why it's the doctrine. So yeah. if you copy and paste it, now there's, there's nuance when you go from AO to AO or area to area, like country to country that do change. But yeah, I, w- I would say that the notes were pretty correct. What was your best skill? Like personally? Yeah, as a soldier.
2: What was the one thing that you were like, hey, hey, I hey, am really ooh. good?
3: Yeah. Tell him. Can you just tell them, them a soldier? or Whatever the In term is. In the profession is. of soldiering, I think you mean. That's well, well, think is, that,
2: is, that a, is that not a word?
0: It's a fucking Marine right here.
3: You, oh,
2: you dear People God. get up in arms. <laughs> okay, what... Oh, I knew what God. you meant.
0: What was your best skill? The profession of arms. Let's call it that.
3: Yeah, I like that. As a yeah. warrior. Uh, if you broke it down to like one tasking, I was really good at land nav. Like That's very good at land that navigation. That fucks a lot of
2: people up, doesn't it?
3: It does. So if I, in, I hate telling selection stories, but it's kind of funny. So my buddy, he's been best operator award at Marsoc multiple times. Like he is, he's the guy where it's like, no man, that, that dude does all the shit correctly. We went to selection together and he would, I'm, I'm faster at running than him. And I think I'm better at land nav. And he would beat me by a shitload every day at selection. And I'm like, dude, how, like, I don't understand how he's beating me. Like I'm killing myself to hit these points faster and faster. I know he's not like I've done land nav with him. I know he's not running. So years later, I asked him and he's he's like, all right, man, fastest guys get out of the vans first, right? I'm like, yep. He's like, so all the vans are stuck at their points for two hours because they release however many students in 15 minute intervals. I'm like, yep. He's like, you have two hours to go on the roads every time you get out of that van. So he was knocking out land nav points. Like two or three by the time I hit one, because he was like all the vans are on the roads. Jump on the road and haul ass. And that's cheating. That's cheating. But he he was winning. Unbelievable. He was trying.
0: Unbelievable. He was cheating. I've always trying. thought it was fucking stupid that you couldn't re- use roads on a Latnep course. Like definitely stupid. Did it's you ever landed, use roads? Yeah. But handrail them. Yeah. You know you yeah, couldn't get on handrails,
3: them. Handrails. Like you're walking next. You're to You're the doing road the same
0: anyways. fucking thing anyway. But you're, so dumb.
3: But just you're don't get over caught branches yeah. and creeks and other bullshit. Yeah. And he's just like trotting down the road. I love it. It was great. That's great. But yeah, I was... So for me, LandNav permeated and like the the best selection in the world you just talked to is essentially a land nav event with mm-hmm. some suffering. LandNav translates into everything, right? Are you going to go to the right place? Can you plan your route? Can you plan your attack points? Can you plan your nutrition plan? Can you self-regulate your speed so that you're not going to sprint your ass off and pass out a mile later? Like all of that, in my opinion, goes into land nav um, or just any type of navigation, whether it's, you know, in the air, on the ground, et cetera. So it happened that that was not necessarily easy for me, but I took to it very well. And I would say that was my strong suit.
1: What was your best skill? I was pretty decent at land nav. Like first guy, I wouldn't say I was the best, but I also took liberties of of hand railing and whatnot. So I would say I was... That was a strong quality. I was also really good at being uncomfortable. And I frequently say my only yeah. God-given talent is to carry heavy shit. So I was the carry heavy shit guy. And be okay with it. Keep up. No Jack, problem. what was your best skill?
0: Yelling at people. So is this a question of like when I was a new guy going through selections and stuff like that? or Yeah, just overall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I wasn't good at fucking anything. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I passed shit. I don't know how I stayed in Ranger Battalion as a private. Like, I was not in fucking good shape. Um, I was too scared to quit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, fuck, this fucking sucks so bad. But like, if I quit, I'll get in like trouble. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, the unknown. I don't put, know what's going to happen if passing. Yeah. Yeah. I I I would say like my biggest attribute was just like I wasn't like, I was kind of selfless. Like, I would just fucking, like... Yeah, you, you peered really high. I, I did. I peered high in... 95%. Ranger school, yeah. all that. Because I could fucking stuff. I didn't give a fuck about myself. I guess that's... Mm-hmm. It's not that I was selfless, like, valiantly. I was just, like, really self-deprecating and, like, not a good relationship with myself in my head. Yeah. So, and nothing's yeah. changed. But what, changed.
2: but you did that's, have one skill that you ran at 12. I was just saying, that's a hard thing to put <laughs> on <laughs> a soldiering <laughs> skills list. No, you know? but he had one skill that he didn't mention that he was the best ever at. What? Being a rascal. Just being a rascal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just constantly tomfoolery in the barracks.
0: Yeah. I was like the. the how good, how, how good at you were you at that? The best. Ever? In my time. There may have been people that came before or after me that were bigger rascals than me, mm. but. I was a shit talker. Yeah, that was a. It was a the company we grew up in. That was like what we did. Lots of shit talking, chirping, chirp, chirp, chirping. Un, bunch of
3: unprofessional fucks. <laughs> like, Goddamn <okay>. <laughs> motherfuckers. Yeah, Fuck I remember God. my my favorite platoon slash team or you know small organization I was ever in. Maybe my second. Yeah, my favorite it was my first one, and. It was ruthless. And we were the only platoon in that company that was like that. And I remember getting berated by one of the other platoon sergeants for trash talking. He, like He heard... Kind of the exchanges yes. that we have where you yeah. walked in the office yesterday. I'm like, the fuck do you want? I'm like, fuck you. Your hair looks stupid. <laughs> and everybody else is in
1: there like, do these guys hate each <laughs> other? No, uh, shit's hilarious. So it was one of
3: those deals. And this other platoon sergeant just berated us on how we were the worst. He was like, kind of like Baker, you know, he's told us we we're the worst human beings that he ever. You met. You got to listen, imagine. listen,
2: you got to have a civilian in, in the mix. We Someone has to keep you guys in order. And
3: that's my. job. I think we do well now as adults. When you're 20 years old in Ranger Battalion or Recon or what, like you're supposed to be that complete piece of human just garbage, a fucking maniac.
1: We're just an maniac. asshole. Assholes. Uh, yeah, out of control. Horrible people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah, it's a great place to grow up.
3: Yeah, I think that's all. 20 year old. Were you in a fraternity in college?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah, you were great human shape.
1: beings.
2: I'm being no, 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 no Let here. me say this. I have, I have never. I I am as anti-bullying as it gets, and I have never hazed.
1: Anybody. Wait a second. Were you in one of those fraternities that wears like ascots or bow ties or has socials in the evenings with sport coats? Oh, they and were shit? wearing, you were a boat shoe
0: wearing motherfucker. So, hold on. You guys all called hey your guys.
1: dads, Hey, guys. It's uh, I, doctor shorts and polo shirt days. I, we're only wearing pastels. I Daddy, was, you
2: coming to <laughs> Father's Day at the fraternity? I was, I was in a, fr- <laughs> I, so at the University of Georgia, I was a KA. And the, the top two fraternities at Georgia were SA and KA. And I, was surrounded by, do you know who my father is? Exactly. That, like, and, and, and yeah, I believe. I, it. I'm not kidding. Like, um, And I realized really quickly, I, I, I do not communicate with anyone. A couple guys on Instagram here and there, but as far as like, I have no interactions with the guys that were in my fraternity. And I, and I realized Do you have? Sorry, go ahead. I, re, I realized like one day I was sitting around, and I was like, I don't really like any of you.
0: <laughs> Do you have the I can beat report?
2: the shit out of all of you and the only reason that we're friends is because we're in this same group. Yeah. And this is really stupid. Yeah. In so, fact, in so fact, that's in, why I ask, in fact, when you're despise
3: the, all of you people. When you're in the military, you come to that same conclusion very often. Maybe that you don't despise everybody, mm-hmm. but you're like you, we're all idiots. And the only mm. reason we're friends is because we're in this stupid group together. No, yeah. but
2: you guys, there was there was a call to serve your country, and maybe at the time there that's were eight, there were eighteen and 19, 20 year olds that maybe weren't there for that reason. But ultimately, I think that's what they fall back on. They didn't realize I'm too stupid to realize. They were just say this sounds cool, but there's internally there's a, a, a call to serve, and I think that that's why most of the guys go there. But the fraternity thing, it was like. Um, I don't give a shit if all you motherfuckers are listening. It was a bunch of fucking nerds that were just, not all, a lot Abuse. of skinny and weak dudes, and that's the only way they would ever have a girlfriend was the fact that they were a K or an SA at Georgia. That's a wild social
3: dynamic to me, by the way.
2: But but I will say this. They're, like, the stuff you hear about on TV with, like, you know, guys getting handsy and date rape drugs and all that shit, that never happened. I never witnessed it. I never witnessed any of the fucked-up stuff that you hear about on television. I I, I wouldn't have allowed it, but, like... It was just a bunch of like rich kids from the South, uh, whose, whose fathers or a lot of it was their grandparents or great grandparents were incredibly wealthy, successful people. And they just had these, you know, kids like, and there's some insane stories like,
0: But my my God. Do you you have the tattoo? You haven't answered. Do you have a tattoo of the fraternity on your ankle? The little weird letters? Under no
2: circumstances. One, because that's douchey, and two, I would never, never desecrate my legs. That's probably my best characteristic. I would never. Well, I've got this <laughs> You have but good you can't calves. See that. You get some really good Gene- calves. Great, Genetics. Yeah. You should get great that. calves. Genetics. Yeah, that corn That yeah. should go on your calf. Nothing will. Ever, there will never be a tattoo on my legs. No, don't touch B- those below, calves. Man. Next, bet. below this mid quad. Side bends or sit ups. Yeah. Don't touch. This Is that? T- yeah. Did we bet that? Right. What. The corn, the corn. No, no. Tigers? You and I have a bet that the winner gets the other person's name tattooed on their ass. That's okay, a different yeah. ballgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What's this bet? You got to go calf next. Uh, and I feel can we really good I,
2: yeah, Oh, absolutely. I feel fantastic about this bet. But I also have. We bet. We're talking about the World Cup, and we bet <laughs> soccer that football. the U.S. I, he said that we're going to beat England. That's yeah. that, and I was like, we're not. We, at best, we'll tie them. So we ended up on this bet, um, where. If England wins, I've got to get his name tattooed on my ass. Signature. Yeah, his signature. I think you're going to show with the face instead of no, the name. No, it's the ass. Uh, that's going to cost more. And money. here's what really. You don't know
3: the face on the Like, ass.
2: I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge soccer fan. I, the U.S. men's national team, I can probably tell you who's going to be our starting 11. What really threw me for a loop was <laughs> after a half an hour of like yelling at each other, I realized not only does he not know anything. About the U.S. men's national soccer team, he doesn't know a single player on the team. Not one. <laughs> so I mean, and his <laughs> his confidence level best, his confidence level. I'm 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 actually worried now. I was yeah. like, well, shit, man. Like he literally threw that out there and knows nothing. Yeah, it's just it's love of country. I've covered in it, tattoos. His so love, it's love of country. You know
0: what? Yeah, that's exactly it. That we're the best country on earth and that we're going to win that fucking soccer game. We've
3: beat them before. We'll beat them again. That's your theory. Yeah, we, we have beat them.
0: We yeah. in 1950, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was a revolutionary war reference yeah. there, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah, so we've, we've 4, got 1812. I like but that the, better. The yeah. fraternity thing, like, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it can serve a purpose for some kids in college, you know, like yeah. they come to, from out of state or whatever. They don't know anybody and, Whatever, but like ultimately, every single person that's in a fraternity in college, like a, a rich kid fraternity, realizes at some point that they are surrounded by fucking dorks. What was the weekly event? Oh, uh, We would no. So it was, was no. Sunday
1: at this fraternity. Nothing, Not but we but sweet sweet. we
2: would have socials with uh, with 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 sororities. I scream like- social. Oh
1: hey guys, guys get on your boat shoes. We got we got the buffet. It's Serve got it eggs Benedict and it's got the ladies coming. So by. I actually
3: didn't ask that to make fun of you. My point was that eighteen oh. to twenty two year old men are fucking psychopaths typically. And, right. like, they're doing stupid shit for the sake of doing stupid shit. It's just <laughs> you had access to things that like we got locked into a barracks. And told, my, my brother, brother defined shit. it. He
2: said, Baker, after sharing some of Jericho's hijink stories, I asked my brother, I was like, is that how it was for you? He goes, oh, dear God. He's like, imagine like your fraternity. There's a lot of alcohol, but like every conversation is bookended with violence. Yes. That's that's how it <laughs> <Yes>. works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%.
0: Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, young men that need direction in their life, let's talk about Softly. I want to segue into it. I want to talk a about fucking segue, but okay. After an, after an hour, yeah. after an hour and one. ten minutes, of yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. we need one. Has it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Damn. So, oh wow. I so, wanna, so, to go back to how I met Brent, I had just left Ranger Regiment. I was teaching ROTC in New York, and I was also coaching CrossFit as yep. like a little side hustle. You're big so, in ollie lifting, at so the time, too. yeah? I'd coached. CrossFit. I did CrossFit for a couple of years and then I like segued into the Olympic weightlifting thing. So being a former ranger that knew a good deal about Olympic weightlifting, which actually I just had a really great coach and I would just parrot what he said to the guys on Softly. Oh, so it made oh, yeah. it sound like I knew what Stolen I was talking about.
3: Valor. I do that every day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was coached by a couple of really rad dudes. Uh, Silly Palavnikov, who was uh, on the Russian national team and Yasha Khan, who was a He was a nationals level weightlifter, but he, his coach was the coach of the fucking Russian national team. So these dudes were like the best of the best of the best. So through that, I kind of like, I don't remember how I linked up with you guys, but I started just kind of relaying advice on the Olympic lifts to the people doing soft programming. And I loved, and back then I was in and I, you know, I still keep it real. I don't get involved with shit that I think is fucking stupid or just like preying on people. There's there's a million fucking, as you know, yes. little dumb programs out there. So you want to be a Navy SEAL? Like programs. And I was like, oh, these dudes are actually like putting out quality shit. And like, you know, when guys that were, hey, I'm getting ready to go to, you know, SFAS or I'm going to go to ranger School or whatever on how should I work my Olympic list? And I'm like, you should stop doing Olympic lifts, you fucking dummy. That has nothing to do with what you're about to do. So we vibed on that, and I just kind of was like,
3: I don't know what you'd call me, a hang around. Like I didn't get paid, but well, we had a we had a crew of of coaches that were loosely affiliated, and I wanted it to be all services. So I didn't want it to be like, well, these are Marines or Green Berets or Navy SEALs. I wanted to be all services, not to be inclusive, but I wanted other input I flavors, want a sounding yeah. board, yeah, and so. The way that we break down the career, which is why it, it, I think, works well is you've got pre-selection, essentially, the phase one of your career. Like, hey, I want to go be a ranger. You've got your operational career. And that can be a year. That could be 10 years, right? Or 20 years, rather. That could be a long time. And then you've got post-career. And so the things that you need in those different pieces and portions are not the same. And so one of the issues that we saw was like to get ready for selection. Let's say you've got a general preparedness level, GPP, if you will. You've got a a base level of fitness and we're just going to tailor what you're doing a little bit so that you get those reps in, right? You don't... To do a 12-mile ruck run underneath the selection time, the min time, you don't ever need to wear a ruck. The reason that we do that is so that the first time you're doing it, it's not at selection. If that makes sense, yeah, comfortable, so, under, comfortable under load. Yeah, exactly. And so, we're a lot of guys, the, the the reason it resonates so well with guys that are actually in those units is that operational piece. We realize you're not, we're not having you ruck all the time. We still need to continue to build you into a monster. So we're not. There's a lot of programs out there that are just like weird physical therapy programs, essentially that they have guys doing all these. Weird gym things, and you're like, well, you're not building this guy at all. But we need to work some of that in because he's got hip issues, back issues, whatever issues due to his operational career, and then post career, a big piece of that is why are you continuing to stay at this high level of fitness? So we need to plug something in for that. Uh, But then focusing again a little bit more heavily on the physical therapy aspect of it, I probably shouldn't use that. But but how do we fix guys as well as continue to build them? Because
2: yeah. yeah. It's yeah. important to go in as healthy as possible, right? Like you don't Absolutely, want to go in yeah. with like
3: shin splints. And you're better injuries. off going in slightly under-trained and healthy than perfectly trained with a nagging injury. Like if, you, if you're if you going into yeah. selection with a rolled ankle because you wanted to get one last 12 mile ruck run in, you're fucked. You're going to come fucked. out of yeah. selection with this, with, with, with the yeah. same injury. It's not going to heal. On it. Yeah, no, it's going to get worse. And you're, yeah. that's probably going to be the reason you fail. Um, th- very seldom did I see guys coming. So I, I was a guest instructor at Marsock Selection twice. Uh, and that's not like a prestigious thing. They, it's usually run by a specific crew. And then they bring in guys from teams that aren't like... Selection is not their job. They bring them in from the teams and you lend a hand. But it was interesting to see because very seldom... I, don't, I, can't, I can't think of anybody that came in with an injury like a, a real injury or like this guy's limping day one that made it like the guys that showed up with a, a good injury it was like you're you're not gonna make it this thing's only gonna get worse um and i think that's probably maybe not a you know a selection with float tanks but <laughs> yeah, <all> the- <laughs> it's the air force guys yeah that's uh, how we do it we've got some you know a pj here so i can talk shit to the air force 100 okay, yeah. percent
2: but but um, do, do, is there like information out there for those guys or is it just from the community, the guys that have been there and done it before? Like, like, like programs? Yeah, for- like don't come in with an injury. Don't come in with this. Don't do that. Don't overtrain, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Now, it, so it's getting better and that's a cultural shift. And I like to say we we're a big part of that cultural shift is like trying to educate the consumer. And and that's, again, a pendulum where I have to tell my coaches, Jericho complains all the time, like, hey, you, you're not talking to coaches. You're talking to guys that have a basic understanding of fitness. So we've got to dumb everything way down. Like I hate using jargon, acronyms, things like right. that. Like CrossFit loved it. Yeah. And we always had to dumb it down anyway. But you're you've got to educate the consumer a little bit that, hey, you need some mobility. You need some mindfulness sessions. You need to lift heavy weights too. We a lot of times forget like you still have to lift heavy weights. You still have to sprint and run hard and do the hard shit. But it's the education piece to the consumer of like, these are the other things that you need. But the reality is for most of those selections, if you're in pretty good shape, if you just show up and you're the dude, you're going to make it through. Whether you're Really well, as evidenced by all of us just stumbling into this shit mm. before all of this information was out there. And so we actually, a lot of people think we focus on the pre selection portion, we focus on the operational athlete. Like the, the programs that we write the most and most of our customers are guys that are operational at units. And that's where our focus is. One, we think it's the most important, but two, it's the guys that have a vested interest in, you know, how do I stay operational with a partially torn bicep? How do I stay operational with a broken leg, a broken foot, whatever it was. What would you say the average age is of your average client? 28. Yeah so we're we're around 70% we lumped in mill fire law enforcement all of that we lumped together just cuz customer surveys are hard to get really granular with but 70% of our customer base is actively in those roles and then out of the rest of them 90% of the rest of that 30% are veterans of those industries and then a minority of our customers are you know guys that see value in being able to do a bunch of things at a mediocre level, essentially.
1: Okay. I have, I have a question. Hit me. The supplements are awesome. You know, I like me some sleepy time bear. Yeah. Yeah. Teddy
3: bear night. I don't take a two scooper ever
1: again. It was a scoop. It was a heaping scoop.
3: Is that what you did <laughs> at He's, the IPO? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Put phenomenal. me on for 12 hours and I puked for a day afterwards. <laughs> so
1: supplements are rad. The kit's awesome. The programming and the app are fantastic but who comes up with the names of the programs? Like the Kraken or like... I would just do. I love it.
3: So (laughs) we, we had a theme. So back in the day when it was really... Like I used to write probably half the programs and we really tried to have fun with it. Like I programmed... Uh, curls in the <laughs> curls in the squat rack one day. And we got flooded with hundreds of Instagram DMs of people curling in the squat rack. And then we got hate mail from people that didn't know. <laughs> they're like, why are three guys curling in the squat rack at my gym? <laughs> and they told them. And then they're like, fuck you for... It was in the program. Yeah. Yep. Do you like the so there's a few things where we still try to have a little bit of fun, but the coaches named those programs. And we we tried to make it so that it was themed towards the, the training plans. Mm-hmm. So if we picked a name there was a connotation in the name that made sense for the goal of the program. So I wrote a program that was a post rehab program and so it addressed imbalances a lot of unilateral work like single foot single arm single leg type stuff and we called it Phoenix. So the idea was you know you're you're being reborn again yeah. if you will with uh better muscle recruit what do you not know, Arizona for What's that? <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona? No, like a Phoenix, you know, the bird. Phoenix, oh, yeah. Phoenix. Phoenix. From, Phoenix the, as- from the ashes and still I rise. The Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I think it's brilliant. But yeah, so, so we it. tried to theme it. Uh, we're going to probably pair that back a little bit and simplify our programs because we've got like 20 years of programming at this point. If you yeah. did it end to end, it's a lot to go through as a customer. What? I
0: have a question for people that are starting your programming.
3: What's yes. the number one mistake they make? The number one mistake that they make is, man, that's a tough one, not committing to it. So you say, I'm going to start this program and you do three days. <laughs> and then you're like, man, I have to watch a video for every movement. Well, the movements are kind of similar throughout the program. So if you've learned them after a week or two, you know, your weeks three, four, yeah, yeah, 12, yeah. 16 are going to be very similar. So just, so, just, so just stick with it and stick with it. You know what
1: I yeah. call that? Prescribed rest. Well, the, the app is super easy. <laughs> I too. need to watch this oh, video no, again. That is, I'm going to rest. Need to watch this video again. Well, the app super easy. I mean, it's right there. It gives you what you're doing, and then you just click on the video.
3: But I get so, it somewhere. Yeah. So I I used to for. When we started, I was doing exclusively our programs and then I wanted to do other people's programs so that I didn't get in this echo chamber. So I would do whoever it was, uh, you know, Jim Jones, power athlete, like John Wellborn's a friend. We were talking to Jim Jones, just see what other people are doing because that's the nature of the customer anyway. And I wanted to put myself back in their shoes. So... I was, I'm not going to say who the company was or the coach, but I jumped on a new program. It was like a new person in the tactical space. And three of my teammates had been doing soft lead stuff with me, jumped into this program with me and we made it, I think a week and a half. And both those guys were like, dude, like I'm, there are, I'm done. There are a lot of programs in the space that you're
0: in that you cannot complete their programming unless you're on fuckloads of steroids. I'll just yeah. say it.
3: And and I'll I'll be blunt I wrote our program called Raider which is like that razor's edge so I the lab rats for it were my last team and some of those guys were freak show athletes to begin with and they became more of freak show athletes but it is kind of it's our version of that it's don't do that cycle first that's your third time where you're like the last two were great I really just want to feel like I've got gang raped every day. That's the cycle that you go into, but it's that Sign range me that. But you're right. A lot of guys were writing stuff for what we saw was writing programs for guys that weighed a lot less as well. So if you weigh 150 pounds, a thousand box step ups is different than Baker and I doing or, or, you know, anybody over 200 pounds doing it. It's a whole other load. Yeah. And Uh, yeah, uh, not only uh, that, but it's boring. How about this? I'm not doing that. Yeah.
0: Also like some of the, the ones that I've seen that are specifically marketed to guys on teams is like the fucker, I got to go do a raid tonight. Like, right. What, what did you just like, I can't walk. I can't walk. Yeah. Like, Yep. I'm, I'm on a
3: deployment. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And, and there's a lack of ability to scale for a lot of them in the sense that, hey, I've got 45 minutes. I got to bang this out or minimal equipment, et cetera, et cetera.
0: That's one of the things that I like because I always, whenever I'm doing this programming, I, I, I get special treatment and I get to text the owner of the company and be like, what's a good sub for that? Like, I've never done one of your workouts where I'm like, fuck, I can't do that. Like there's always a way to scale yeah. it to whether it's for how I feel or for like the environment I'm in. Right? That's
1: that is the that is the key indicator for how good programming is in my book. Well, right in the beginning of the app, you know, right when you sign up, it says like, hey, what's your equipment? Like what right. kind of gym or
2: or, you or your Or your or, injuries or like yeah. I'm sure there's stuff that I could look at your programming and be like, Well, my left shoulder, I can't do overhead stuff. Yeah. And and that that in my opinion is the key to uh indicator of how good the programming is, if it is scalable, uh, and, or you got to do these three things. And if you don't do this, you can't do it. Like there has to be substance. I just
3: did a scaling, a 10 minute video on scaling. So the the reasons people scale is time, equipment and injury writ large. Right. And then you've got scaling for weight, but that's a whole other deal where it's like, it says back squat 225 and I can't, then you just, that's pretty self-explanatory. But when you're scaling for injury, a push is a push, a pull is a pull. And so Part of that is one, like we're working, we're we're building a whole new better app so that it does that automatically based on your inputs. But two, you have to educate the athlete. To pu- you know, push is a push. If you can't push overhead, then we're going to have you push maybe at an incline, right? Or, right? or maybe at a at a different plane of motion. If you'd be in the same plane of motion, if we're pushing forward, we still want to push forward. If we're going overhead, we're going overhead, but. If you're going to say that your program is so rigid that you can't scale it and get a similar outcome, I, I think that you're either doing your customers a disservice or you just don't know what you're talking about. Do you ever like ride around on
2: like one wheels and yell at people in white t shirts?
0: Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've been thing? trying to throw that, that, that out there thing? for about
1: 45 minutes yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I was I, waiting I, for my opportunity. Change the subject. Let's change the subject. <laughs> what, are, what are you excited about that Softly? It's coming out with a product. You said new app. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: uh, As the CEO, I only keep a running list of three things because I'm stupid, so I can't fix typically more than three things at a time. And so, right now, our our number one is a new app. And so, uh, I'm diving in. I'm not a guy who does programming, Mm -hmm. so where I can dive in is, you know, the the functionality for scaling and things like that. So I'm really excited. Some of the stuff that we're coming out in the app, like biomarkers being integrated into your programming, is Mm -hmm. is pretty cool to me. So we've hired. Jericho knows her, Dr. Kate Pate. She's Mm -hmm. a doctor of neurophysiology to help us design some of those inputs that we pull in from wearables so that we can actually take that data and change your program, if that makes sense. So I'm really excited about that. I was actually just in Santa Monica meeting with a a new tech firm that we're going to be using to help us get across the goal line. And they've worked with American Heart Association, like big medical device and technical companies to get that across the goal line. But I I think that's the next generation of fitness is the intelligent programming where it's like, hey, I wrote that you're going to do 10 by 10 back squat and bench press today, but you're fucking smoked from yesterday, so now you're getting a five-by-five five or whatever it is. Um, so you're saying, I'll be, I'll be good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Whenever Dumbed I get down. on
0: it with that, it'll just be like, just stay in bed, bro. <laughs> you're you're, just a your workout is rollover. <laughs> you're just a piece of shit. shit. It just yeah. Did you have
3: two white Russians last night? I mean, relax.
0: You drank too much milk
3: yesterday. Logged <laughs> off. Why am I blocked from the account? Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> but it, it's hard for me to get excited about other things that aren't like we're very product-focused company. We've been bad at marketing and it's just not our, our jam and our shtick. So I'm excited that our new approach is just showcasing what the coaches are doing and the new products are. So that's also exciting as we've changed largely with Jericho, berating me via text message, the way that we're showcasing what we're doing so that it's more digestible and things like that. But the new app is really what gets me excited.
1: Awesome. So, Awesome. Yeah. And I know in the past, and I'm sure COVID fucked it, but like your veteran events and things that the company has done. Yeah. What's going on with that?
3: So we're kicking them back off. That's gonna be between Doug, who is one of our longtime employees and a co owner of the company, and Kate doing wellness retreats for lack of a better term. So we, we call them the die living excursions. Mm-hmm. Die living is our post service piece of like, why are you still in shape? It's a Jericho's got the tattoo. It's so that you can still go do rad shit, right? Mm-hmm. You did rad shit when you were in the military. Keep doing rad shit. My two things are, is it challenging and can it kill you? Check. Die living. Check. check. Cool. It's hard and there's an element of danger. It's probably really fun. That's what we want to do. So they're going to lead die living excursions, which are really kind of like an adventurous wellness retreat. So mm-hmm. it would be wake up, nutritionist prepares breakfast, yoga, and then you're going to go mountain bike down the side of a mountain and watch Jericho fall off it or something. Like that. Yeah. Sign
1: me up for that one. But I've, I've had friends have done it that have done it with you and just awesome experiences. Yeah.
3: yeah. We've, we've had mixed feedback internally and externally, mm-hmm. most of it very good, but how do we really dial it in? And one of the big pieces I'm, we talked about we kicked this thing off talking about getting roofied while you're drinking alcohol, but I'm pretty anti-alcoholic. I'll have a drink every now and again, you know, like we'll all get together and go out, but I'm pretty anti-alcohol mm-hmm. most days. Like I'm not having a beer every day type of guy. And so at those events, they're they're a very social function as well. And a lot of people wanna like kick back and have a drink together. So I th- I think that's one of our pieces that we're moving forward with is, is putting out a culture at those, like, hey. No alcohol after dinner type of thing. Or mm-hmm. Drugs only. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jericho's going to be in the corner with all his drugs, but... <laughs> uh, I'll be there. But that's, that's the change for us is making it so that it's like, hey, this, this is an adventure retreat. It is fun, but it's also a wellness deal too. Like we're trying to, you know, build some good habits and give you some tools for the toolbox so that... I think that healthier. is, I mean, not
0: to go on a tangent about it, that's a really important thing. Like thinking about your, old, your other question about like how, how have things changed? Like from when I was a new guy to the how new guys are oh, now. We like about, about this shit, man. Like you walk around Ranger Regiment now, it looks like a bunch of fucking NFL fucking cornerbacks or fucking running backs or whatever. And like when I, but guys care about that now. Like they're like, hey, you want to go get blackout drunk till when, three in the morning on a Wednesday? And those dudes are like, no, nah, man, I got to get my eight hours. I I got to drink my fucking teddy bear night night. I got to like do all this. But back then, man, we just went. We were like the least healthy high-performing people on
3: planet. Yeah, the, the three things you did... So I went to Okinawa for my first duty station, which is like 40 years behind the rest of the military culturally. And you, you left in really good shape. And then the alcoholic that could fight because every weekend, every day you worked out and then every weekend you just got drunk and got into bar fights. Uh, There's a group of, I think, 10 of us that left from there and went to California for our next duty station. And... The company first sergeant, after two weeks, pulled all of us aside that just came from Japan. He's like, look, motherfuckers, you're in America. Quit acting like animals. Because every every Monday, it's like coming in with black eyes, like a dude's got a broken nose. I fell down. Yeah, total turds. But now that's not acceptable. It's like those dudes are training on the weekends. On their weekends, they're going and doing triathlons or whatever shit that they're into. And, And fitness has replaced that drinking culture. Yeah, yeah.
1: To a degree. Well, I think that, you know, the paradigm is shift because of performance and they realize you're fucked up and there's more light on the compensatory mechanism of drinking your fucking face off to, to whatever. Deal with whatever that you got going on. Yeah. And then events like that are supporting it. Yeah. You know? Awesome. But yeah, All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, guys.
3: Where can everyone find you? Uh, Softleet.com, Softleet HQ, Instagram, and then mine's Softleet Fish. Sick. Yeah. Sweet. Fuck off, Baker. (laughs) Let's go work out. Already did. That concludes today's training. Any questions? (laughs) Woo! Jump titties, boy!